जब जब दर्द का बादल छाया जब गम का साया लहराया जब आंसू पलकों तक आया जब ये तनहा दिल घबराया हमने दिल को ये समझाया दिल आखिर तो क्यों रोता है दुनिया में यूं ही होता है ये जो गहरे सन्नाटे हैं वक्त ने सबको ही बांटे हैं थोड़ा गम है सबका किस्सा थोड़ी धूप है सबका हिस्सा आग तेरी बेकार ही नम है हर पल एक नया मौसम है क्यों तू ऐसे पल खोता है दिल आखिर तू क्यों रोता है Welcome to the podcast in the words of Vasit. Today we have a very special guest. A guest has never let his disability disability of blindness become an obstacle in his life. He is a blog he has his own blog known as the blind blogger. He is a motivational speaker and he's certainly a motivation for us all. Welcome to the show Maxwell. Well thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show. Okay so uh, can you tell our viewers about your journey first of all i think we should start about your childhood and how how did you, did you de- dealt with that your disabilities and furthermore okay sure uh i was uh, born into a family of carnival operators in texas um and by the about the time i was 5 years old they noticed i was uh, falling down and running into more things than the other kids in the family so they uh they had me checked out it turned out i have a retinitis pigmentosa which is a fairly common uh disease it attacks the retina it's called uh, most people refer to it as rp uh my vision decreased gradually until i entered junior high school um and at that time i had a big decrease in vision down to the point that i was declared legally blind started learning how to use a white cane learning to read braille and managing more of my education through uh audiobooks and braille and people reading or explaining things to me my vision stayed pretty much constant from then until i graduated from uh, high school and started going worse again and then by the time i graduated from college i had what they call light perception which means i can see light but i cannot see colors i have almost no peripheral vision and i have no functional vision so i find it easier just to tell people that I, at this point i'm totally blind although clinically i am not um and the result of that is um at that time when i was very young we were living in the country so there was six families living on a big piece of land i spent a lot of time playing with my my brothers my my cousins and spending time with aunts and uncles so that really really helped because uh nobody had to worry too much because there was always family around uh when i went to school there were helpful teachers because we lived in a suburb of Houston where the school districts had money to spend so they had additional teachers to help as my vision started to decrease and over the years i've i've gone from reading regular print books which i love to read even still now to larger type books to using a closed circuit television to enlarge the print and then eventually like i said to uh, to braille and audiobooks 
And I feel like the fact that my vision decreased over the years and I was constantly having to adapt to different levels of vision and finding different solutions based on my vision, that that probably has suited me very well in adult life. Okay, so how uh, did you came up with an idea of making uh, blogs and being an how did you keep yourself motivated as you know your eyesight was there decreasing and you may become blind and you did become so how did you keep yourself inspired okay um after college i had a for the internal revenue service and then i went back to the family's uh, traveling car and i helped with the bookings at that time you we didn't have the internet yet and most people didn't have cell phones so you spent a lot of time calling people i used an actual perkins braille writer to keep track of numbers and who i was calling and was very unwieldy and definitely uh, definitely not efficient uh, i was lucky i also helped with operating kids games and then sometimes i would set up and take down carnival rides with the family if needed I did that for 15 years with my dad and brothers until my dad's death resulted in the closing of our carnival. And so I knew I needed to do something else with my time and hopefully find something that would be uh, a new passion for me. So I started helping other people sell surplus rides and games. And I created a website called the Midway Marketplace. That was my first website in 2007. And I started building that after I started got the website online people said i had to have a blog so i said what is a blog and they said well it's a way of posting new content so your people that are interested in your website or your business can can know what's going on so uh i've found the uh an app called mars edit that allowed me to create the blog posts without having to know too much about it and without having to access the wordpress or blogger dashboard which made it much easier Um I've been using screen readers on computers for a long time but even with the screen readers some of the websites and apps you have to use don't play nice with the with the voice technology so um Marzet was really a big thing and then eventually WordPress came along and they started making things much more accessible so I eventually moved my Midway website to WordPress Uh along the way of promoting the Midway marketplace people said that they were really inspired by how I overcame difficult challenges to start my own business and they asked me to share more and that led to a second website as the blind blogger at the blindblogger.net and over there I share experiences that I've had during my life as a as a business owner either during the carnival days or the amusement equipment brokering site or you know now as a blogger and author and a podcaster and uh you know I share the experiences I've had the good and the bad the ugly the disappointing uh the weird solutions and I share all of that and the lessons people can take from them on the blind blogger and as okay, far as, sh- as far as how yeah, I've, I was going to yeah as far as how I've kept myself motivated in the beginning it was uh i was so interested and so curious and every day was a new problem to solve to where there really wasn't uh time to get down i mean if one particular aspect of a website or a blog or something was aggravating me there was always something else i could focus on and do something on that for a while and then maybe come back to the hard problem 
And as I've gotten farther and farther into this, I've found that uh, curiosity, finding new, new adventures, new challenges, new opportunities is very helpful in staying motivated and keeping going. It's very helpful to have a circle of friends, whether they're online. And a lot of it is just practice finding the positive, finding the good stuff in everyday life. And those are the kind of things, you know, you, you do them, you have to do them over and over again over a long period of time become part of you. Yes, and your website says blind blogger, what's your excuse? And so can you tell our listeners, those, those people without uh, any disabilities, they always find excuses to do a work. So can you tell them how to deal with it? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, uh, originally, I would tell people that I'm not an inspiration uh, because I know people who are visually impaired or have other disabilities some things that I have, but my good friend Adrian Smith finally said, you know, Max, you have a built-in excuse and you don't use it. Other people, they don't have anything wrong with them, but they find all kinds of excuses not to actually take action and accomplish whatever their goals are. So she said, people because you don't use the excuse you have. And I would say that um, one of the big problems people have when they're making excuses is they overwhelm themselves. They focus on the, the big goal or the big celebration, and they don't focus on what is something I can do today. How, no matter how small it may seem to you, uh, find those little things and take some action on them, and then give yourself a pat on the back. You know, celebrate the accomplishment, no matter how small. I like to tell people that uh, the guy that you see today started 12 years ago, almost 13 now. And the only thing I could do was file for the domain name. It would be four months after that. So I had a website. So it really does come down to finding something you can do something about and trying not to worry about the things you can't. And, you know, a lot of people, their excuses are, I don't have enough time. Well, none of us have enough time. And people like me that have to overcome using screen readers and stuff, we have even less time because it takes as long we still get it done. Uh, some people have families, and I understand that can be a big strain, especially now when people are having to do just about every job, including uh, working from home, educating their kids, etc. But <clears throat> there are always opportunities in your day to do something that will move you closer to your goal. And in fact, Trying to work for an hour at a time can sometimes be uh, be too daunting for people. I mean, some of the best work I've done as a writer was when I just sat down and I'm going to write for five minutes. You know, when I did my first podcast episode, I didn't have the first clue what I was doing. I said, well, I'm going to record some videos and put them out on the Internet. And, you know, as I've gone along, I've, I've gotten much better. Then it was just solo monologues. Now I do interviews. Uh, then I didn't care about the audio. Now I have, you know, a little bit better audio equipment. Um, and, you know, it's cliche, but we need to start where we are and do what we can based on our skills, abilities, budget, whatever your restrictions are right this minute. And then enjoy the experience because we're. All, yeah. 
you see indeed i have also started my podcast series recently just so one one month old so i have had couple of guests and the, i don't now care about listeners we just do the show and enjoy the moment uh, day by day and guest by guest i love it that's exactly what we have to do and that's what we need to get more people to understand is instead of talking about recording a podcast take your phone out and press record for goodness sake you know um yes indeed and and i want to i want to applaud you for for having the courage because it does take courage to start doing your podcast Thanks. and to reach out Thank to people you. and have them be guests yeah. on your show man i'm really proud of you Yes, I appreciate it. And I've, I've read on your website that you also lost two hundred and fifty pounds. So how was your? How did you deal deal with that weight issues? And how tough was that for you? Right. Well, that was actually the end of it. I started several years before that. Um, I had high blood pressure. I was severely overweight and in bad health in several ways. And my doctor told me I needed to really change my lifestyle. So first, she had me check to see if I had sleep apnea. And after being diagnosed and treated with a a CPAP machine for my sleep apnea, I started having a lot more energy, passion, curiosity. It really changed my life. Uh, It allowed me to start exercising more. And then eventually she asked me to go to a seminar on gastric surgery. And I was like, I'm not doing that because only quitters have surgery. But I went to the seminar because she asked me nicely. And uh, the guy said, the surgeon, excuse me, that was given the presentation that uh, only about 50% of the people who have a surgery lose the 80 or, 80 or 90% of the weight that they need to lose and keep it off. So he explained that having the surgery was just one tool, but that we would have to make lots of changes in our lives in order to make this one tool help us be successful. And I love how the the dietitian and nutritionist, they kept, they kept making this point to us. They would say, it takes 30 days to learn a new habit. Learn one habit. And, you know, to increase your water intake. Uh, cut out caffeine. Uh, change your portion sizes. Um, switch, solid, switch liquid foods like juice and milk for solid foods like cheese and fruit. You know, they gave us about nine or ten things that we needed to change over, over a period of time. They said, do one for a month and then try to add a second one. If adding the second one means you stop doing the first one, then go back to the first one and, you know, after two months, then add a second thing. So they really helped us break it down into small changes that we could make that could become ingrained and part of our lifestyle as opposed to, you know, thinking of it as a diet or a short-term thing. And here I am, let's see, I had the surgery in 2012, and this is uh May of 2020, so almost eight years later, healthy and in good and good weight for my age. So, but I listen to them and continue to follow those uh, instructions, and you know, use them in my life as as if uh, that's the whole 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 different me. And I actually lost almost 100 pounds before I had the surgery, and when I saw the fact. Yeah. Psych- Yes, that's impressive. When I saw the psychologist. She said, um, "Why do you why do you want to have the surgery at this point?" She said, "Because people are going to ask you." I said, "Well, it's simple. I've been here before. I'd lost, you know, I've been on many diets over the years and lost 70, 80, 100 pounds. And 
it wouldn't stay gone. It would eventually come back and then more with it. So I knew I needed to take this additional step for me. Not everybody needs to do it. A lot of people, uh, you know, they can find strategies to help them uh, change their diet and improve their, their health. It's difficult to make them long-term and permanent, but anybody can do it. I just happened to have a really strong motivation because before I started working towards the surgery, I weighed probably about 600 pounds instead of the 512 they had on the scale because we've got some pictures of me prior to that first check-in with the clinic. And uh, my brother says, Max, do you look like you weighed at least 600, if not more in this picture? And of course, once you get over three, anywhere to even find out what you weigh. So, uh, but thing that I mentioned in one of my books called "It's Not the Cookie, It's the Bag," that was my second book about the whole experience. Is that one of the things we did? Is is I live with my mom. She's seventy five. My younger brother Patrick, who's forty, and my nephew, who's a teenager. And you know, we decided early on that it would be kind of hard to tell a teenager that he's never going to have another cookie in the house. So what we, what we'd found is that if we would go buy one package of frozen cookie dough, or maybe make half a batch of homemade cookies for people that, you know, make them, make them homemade because they can't get mixes from their stores, uh, that we could split that among four people and each person would get three or four cookies, you know, enough to satisfy you, but not so much that it would, ruin your day or make you feel bad and you wouldn't have that big you know whole big bag of cookies in the house uh calling your name in the middle of the night so uh you know it, it, it was quite creative i'm sorry what it was quite creative you did your idea was great so that uh to eat cookies and uh, control the weight yeah yeah hey now can i ask you a question you know, I told I told you when we, yeah, sure. I told you when we start started talking about having this interview that I did not know anybody from Pakistan, never been on an interview with somebody from there. Do you can you give me yes, you can, can you give me any insight at all as to how visually impaired people are treated in your country? Yes, the, uh, there is a community. Have, uh, we have a couple of organizations. One of the organizations is known as Sight Savers. They uh, they be, uh, began in uh, 1985, and they help those who can avoid the who can avoid, uh, can be treated for eye, condi uh, eye conditions, and those who are blind, they help them in education and work. So, as the, as you know, since we are a third world country, so we do not have a such uh, uh, communities or organizations as United States, but uh, still, their the communities of disabilities and blindness are still treated in good okay. way. Do you happen to know if either of those groups has a, a website or a social media presence? Because I'd like to learn more about how the visually impaired live in, in other countries yes. and see if I can't help or see if I can't learn something from them. Yeah, yes, they, they have websites. I'll send you those websites. I after really the appreciate that. Yeah, sure. And uh, do you have any other questions related to Pakistan? <laughs> um, the other... The other thing, I don't know if it's really a question, it is I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty sure that um, here in the U.S. we're kind of spoiled when it comes to our Internet access. I mean, uh, it's almost you're almost considered impoverished if you don't have uh, high speed Wi-Fi in your house and if you don't have at least one mobile device. So I'm assuming 
that in Pakistan, uh, reliable internet probably isn't as as good or as uh, available as it is. We're spoiled here. Yes, availability is still good, but uh, connection speed is is in uh, nowhere near as United States. We have a lot of problems, and if you play video games or watch videos on YouTube, there's always an issue of ping or loading. So the internet speed is quite slow. Appreciate that because I I like to I I believe that a podcast interview or a conversation of any kind shouldn't just be one way. It should be like the beginning of a friendship and. We should learn stuff about each other or we should learn lessons from each other during the process. So thank you. Yeah, sure. And would you like to speak a couple of words in our national language? <laughs> hey, I have, I have, I'll help you I if you want to speak Spanish, man. I'm not sure we even want to try this, but uh, okay. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Okay, uh, the, those translation will be this show is good. So I'll uh, go word this by word. Is okay. Good? Is that what you're going to teach me? Okay. Yes. J, first word G. is. Y, show. Show, this okay, is same show. as English. Y, okay, so show. Acha. Yeah. Hey. Great. You you just she, said in she, Urdu that this show she, is she great. Yes. Uh, yes, you will. Uh, it's still uh, great for the first time. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, one thing about this, this is all yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. teach you any Braille, so we're good. Yes, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, and so how long have you been doing podcasts and have been appearing in I interviews? Being interviewed in uh, February of 2013 was, was when I did my first radio interview. And that was to promote the Midway Marketplace. It was on a show called, uh, it was on a show hosted by Brian Hammer Jackson. And he was offering a special roundup a weekly opportunity for business owners to come on and talk about themselves and their businesses and drive traffic to their websites. I did his show for six months and then I started thinking, well, there has to be other places I could be interviewed and share my experiences and promote my business. And so I found, started finding other podcasts and radio shows. And as I was being interviewed for shows, people started going, well, Max, when are you going to have your own podcast? And I said, look, I'm one of these people. I have to be in the moment. If I'm going to have a conversation or if I'm going to, to share a monologue type uh podcast episode i can't be thinking about the technology whether or not i'm recording uh whether or not i'm in focus uh how we're going to get the audio from here to the internet and all that other stuff i i just can't be bothered with that and i said if if uh somebody were to come along to be my co-host to handle all the technical stuff then i would do it now I'm here to tell you, don't ever put stuff like that out in the world unless you actually want to do it. Because within a couple of days, within a couple of weeks of me using that answer on several interviews, a guy named Frederick By, who's a really good friend of mine from Canada, he said, uh, Max, I'm putting together a new podcast network and I'm looking for people with quality shows. And I think you'd be great on the network. And he said, all you have to do is show up and talk. I'm like, OK, that." Kind of, kind of kills that excuse. So, uh, in 
Today I launched a podcast that was originally called No Excuses. Or excuse me, it was originally called Waiting You Out of the Darkness. Then it was called No Excuses. And then it became What's Your Excuse? Because a lot of people say if Max can do it, then what's my excuse? And uh, I interview people who have overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances. People who have struck out on their own and started unusual businesses. Experts who have real-world tested advice. I mean, I want them to prove that it's actually worked in their lives or somebody else's. And then people who I happen to find interesting or personally inspiring. So, you know, a wide variety of people, uh, probably about a third of them are visually impaired or have some sort of a disability, but uh, no more than that. And I try to focus more on their personal story and not so much on the on a disability however it does you know it usually is part of the story because it usually is part of who they are so uh my first podcast i recorded in 2015 from 17 to 19 i was very frustrated with the process of uploading the audio with my screen reader and i thought it was frustrating to the point that i was losing my joy for podcasting and I said to myself, who says that I have to post both video and audio? So for a while, I posted just the video of my interviews to Facebook and YouTube and continued to record interviews. And I felt good about the people I was talking to and the information they were sharing. And then last summer, I, you know, talk about being inspired. Uh, last summer, I went to give a talk at a conference for visually impaired people in Kansas. And I was there to teach them about uh, grooming, about uh, being interviewed and helping them get their first jobs. And after a week of being around these uh, blind teenagers and college age kids who had all these crazy dreams for their lives, I'm like, Max, you cannot go home and tell people you can't put your podcast out there in audio. That's just not gonna work no more. So. I did some research. Uh, uh, I found out that Blubbery or Blueberry, however you say it, is pretty accessible with a screen reader. Put my audio podcast back online on July 1st. And I'm getting close to 2,000 downloads since July 1st, which I'm, I'm very happy with. I'm continuing to make progress. I've got one sponsor. Uh... Wait, you got a sponsor? <laughs> yes, I got a sponsor. But they're not paying me crazy money, okay? Let's don't think they're paying me a thousand a month or something. But it's still, it's still, it's a, it's, it's a great story. It's still an achievement to get a sponsor. Okay. Um, I have, I'm, I'm sending, I'm exchanging emails with a really good friend of mine from North Carolina. Her name is Pam Edwards, and I'm, you know, we're, I'm, I'm talking about how I, I'm satisfied with my podcast. I really love the interviews, but I'd love to be bringing in some more money. And she asked me, have you tried getting sponsors? I said, yeah, but people won't go for it. She said, have you tried offering a really low cost sponsorship? She said, because I believe there are businesses who would like to invest in you and invest in themselves and advertise on the show, but they don't have a lot of money and they don't approach you because they're afraid of They're afraid of offending you or embarrassing them. She said, so why don't you offer something really cheap and see what happens? I said, well, how cheap are you talking about? And, of course, this is in U.S. dollars. Um, she said, well, well, why don't you try $100 but make it clear to only be one sponsor? I said, okay. 
So I put it out there. It's going to be $100 or three months for $250. They'd get a mention in each podcast plus a mention in the blog post when the podcast goes live. And as soon as I put it out online, I was going to do it. Um, her and her husband decided they wanted it. So they've been sponsoring me for nine months now. They're committed to me through the, uh, they're committed to me through September. Um, they are very supportive of me. They encourage me. They share my content with other people. They tell other people they should hire me, you know, it's, and you know, it's not a lot of money, but here's the thing. I think a lot of people, don't get because they think, well, if I'm not making six figures or seven figures or five figures, I'm a failure. But what most of us, what, what most of us really only need is a little more sustainable, reliable income. So while some of the big dogs in podcasting will think, man, you're only getting a hundred bucks a month. How can that help you? A <laughs> hundred bucks a month, every month, every <laughs> month. That's how it helps me it's coming in every month, you know, and it's not a lot, but Hey, Hey, say, say I get a couple other sponsors and maybe the next sponsor pays me 200 or 300 or 500 because I have a sponsor and people can see the work I'm doing for the one I have. Um, I have this really good friend in, in Africa, in uh, Nigeria. Her name is Alex Okorji. She's a famous actress who I met because I had the guts to tell her she should have me on a radio show. And she was really impressed with me. She, likes to remind me and some of her clients uh there's having having clients has value because they help you get other clients so yeah i'm not making a lot of money from them but they are they're invested in me they're invested in themselves and they're getting and they're getting my best effort you know they are getting the mentions on the podcast and i actually have you know have spent the time to understand what their business is you know, what they want people to know about their business. And my uh, my mentions of them on the podcast are totally uh, targeted to what they want people to know about them and, and why people should hire them. I do social media posts for them. I uh, mention them in the blog post. And so, you know, they're getting great value. And anybody else that would hire me is going to get great value. But, you know, where would I be if, I said, well, if, you know, if somebody won't pay me at least 500 or, you know, a thousand every three months, where would I be? I would have. Uh, here's the difference. Because of their sponsorship, I had the money to attend three conferences last year and promote my business that I wouldn't have been able to afford to go to. The third one of those three, the, the third one of those three yes, conferences, I signed a client who paid me $2,000. Oh, great. So $100 resulted in $2,000. But, but, you know, like I say, it's all your attitude. You know, can you, you know, is, is there value in $100 a month? There is, if you think there is. I, you know, I believe there has been great value for me through it, but the next person who advertises on my podcast is going to pay a little more, you know. (laughs) But yeah, without them, I would have missed several great opportunities because I wouldn't have had the money to go. Yes, do you have uh, other than blogs and podcasts? Do you have any other hobbies? Um, I love to sing. I like listening to the old time radio programs. I mentioned earlier that I love to read, and I, you know, I read about fifty books a year. 
uh, pretty much evenly split between uh, biographies and personal development versus uh, versus. Sorry about that. I'm about, uh, for, and then you know about the other half will be fiction. Um, I'm sorry about that. That's one of the bad things about being blind is if you forget to tell your stuff not to talk, you end up in trouble. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's no issue. It's, it's I can understand fiction because I think uh, you know trying to improve yourself doesn't mean you, it has to all be work. And so, you know, to me, you know, a good Star Wars novel or um, J.D. Robb's Eve Dallas Mysteries, you know, on the other side, uh, I try to stay away from anything political because I feel like I get way too much news and we all get way too much news in our lives as it is. And that was, you know, even before COVID, we got way too much news in our lives. So I don't generally read much in the, you know, as far as political uh, nonfiction but I love memoirs and biographies and I love a great story, which is one of the things that I really enjoy about my podcast is, you know, it's all about finding people with stories and uh, <laughs> I enjoy hearing them just as much as I enjoy telling them. So you like singing. So what type of music do you like? And uh, do you have I, any I favorite singer stick to country and older popular music? So, Some of my favorites would be Garth Brooks, George Strait, Randy Travis, Merle Haggard, George Jones. Um, I like the guy. The I like the guy who sings the song "Traveler." I like some of um, the guy off of off of the Voice. Um, like his name is escaping me right this minute. Uh, Blake Shelton. I like some of his stuff. Um, I'm not real crazy about about Katy Perry or Taylor Swift or any of the. any of the American Idol country winners, but uh, I have a rule. If somebody I like and respect says, Max, you need to listen to this music, I will listen to it. And, you know, my brother, he's like, he he likes, he tells me which rap music I should try out, you know, because he listens to that. He'll tell me, Max, this is some really good heavy metal. You should check it out. And he has one of my favorite songs of all time, which is Rockstar from Nickelback. And You know, I'm not real crazy about some of the lyrics in the song, but the music is great. And, you know, sometimes there's something about having a song that you can pretty, you know, you're not really singing along to it. You're really more screaming along to it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was just about to tell you and I had a disconnection. So uh, for a minute, I, I my uh, talk was discontinued. So I wanted to tell you, I'm not an, a real fan of country music, but I do listen to it sometimes. And one of my favorite songs is john denver's uh song country roads have you listened to it west virginia on west virginia yeah country roads take me home take me home After this, uh, yeah, sure, go on. Well, I want you to finish that song. <laughs> That's all. I you, you have a great, you have, you, have, you have a great voice. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, I got up today. I was thinking, hey, I'm gonna check off some stuff on my box on my list. I ain't done before, but I didn't think I was gonna get to sing for you. So, thank you. <laughs> 
anyways uh, after uh, after listening to john denver's west virginia so i've decided that whenever i visit united states i'll go to west virginia i don't know how it is, but i'll uh, surely pay a visit to west virginia all right well it's a lot of rural country with uh you know there's some coal mining there still but you know there's a lot of if you enjoy forests and uh and you know like state or national parks then you will enjoy west virginia Okay, great. So I'll surely. And if I ever come to United States, can I visit you in Texas? If if I am here when you come, absolutely. Okay, sure. So I, yeah. never, I never really know where I'm going to be next. You know, with this, with the the shelter in place stuff. Of course, nobody's going anywhere. But um, I'm always waiting to see what the that I'm going to receive. You know, whatever whatever God has in His plans next for me. You know that. Uh, and sometimes my dreams aren't as big as his, and sometimes I I, I get an opportunity. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about this, man. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, I uh, a few years ago I left for uh, I won a competition and and I won the tra- the price of a train trip to New York City from Houston, but the the tick the uh, the prize didn't include all the other expenses. I left Houston for New York City with four hundred dollars in my pocket. You know, so. Stuff like that is the kind of stuff that I have done and that we'll, prob- we'll probably do again in the future. But sometimes even I go, Max, you about this. This might be a little crazy. So it, uh, I think that's enough for today. All righty. Well, hey, I have really enjoyed this. Um, you, are a, you are a great interviewer. And I wish you all the best with your show because Thank you, really I know appreciate that, it. Um, that you are having to put a lot of time and effort and probably money into, into doing your show. And I want you to know how much I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my experiences with your audience. And um, I, I just can't thank you enough for giving me that opportunity because without people like you who are willing to show courage and, put themselves out there, I wouldn't have a place to share my story and grow my business. Really, I appreciated your support and thank you for giving your all-important time for an interview. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And you have a good day. Uh, Thanks.